Welcome to Relaunch, the real estate podcast focused on helping you find your success in real estate. My name is Lauren Cooper. I am an active real estate sales representative just north of Toronto, Canada. The whole purpose of this podcast is to bring you actionable content by interviewing the best of the best in this business, helping to take you from zero to hero in your real estate career. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. That is the Real Estate Launch Podcast. Today, we have a special guest. I always say we have a special guest because we only have special guests. Okay. This is Anthony Brown. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing great, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. You've been uh, speaking a lot. I can see. I mean, that's how we met. You've been kind of across the country. I had a bit of a hectic schedule. So uh, I appreciate you really taking the time. You only got home, what, a few days ago? Yeah, I got back from uh, from Banff a couple days ago. It took, me, yeah, it took me an extra day to get home due to the crazy weather in Toronto. But uh, happy to make the time to help you out and, and to be on the show for sure. Thank you so much. So I'd like to talk about um, really how you started in this business. And even before that, give us a little bit of background in terms of what you were doing before you got into real estate and, and what brought you into real estate. You've got a very unique and special story, so I'll, I'll leave it to you right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, you know what, everyone has a good story. Mine's, uh, mine might be different than others, but uh, if you want to talk about real estate and kind of my first interaction with real estate, we have to go back a number of years. So when I was in my first year of university, um, I decided that I was going to invest in a property with my father and manage the property and kind of rent out the rooms in the house to my buddies and stuff like that. So I bought, uh, it was an over-under set of flats in Fredericton where I went to UNB. Um, needed quite a bit of work. It had been it had been student housing before and it was in a little bit of rough shape. So I kind of bought it and uh, picked away at the work myself and, and got it up and running and kind of to a point where I felt comfortable renting out the rooms to some of my friends. Now, hold uh, on. Let, let's just tell everybody where you're at because I, we forgot to even mention where are you located? Where do you live? Oh, so I, I'm, I live in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. My team services all of all of uh, kind of Halifax, Dartmouth, and, and surrounding areas in Nova Scotia. Okay, fantastic. So continue your investing in <laughs> your yeah. investment property. So, uh, so as soon as I kind of had it renovated and fixed up and I had all the rooms rented out and I was the landlord and kind of, you know, patting myself on the back, I, I realized that I loved real estate. Like I love the concept of real property. I love the concept of, of owning real property, investing in it. Uh, the other cool thing was I thought my real estate agent was pretty cool. So he always wore kind of flashy suits and drove a nice car. Always seemed like he was on the phone kind of wheeling and dealing. And, uh, you know, I was just a young guy in my first year of a university degree. I thought it would be a pretty cool job. Um, things didn't work out in real estate right away. I, I graduated from UNB in 2008 and entered the corporate world. So I was the regional manager for, it was actually a brilliant company um, that was just kind of starting out. Um, so I managed all of New Brunswick. And uh, there's a lot of things I liked about running a company and, and hiring staff and kind of managing it on that macro level. And if things had gone differently, I might still work for that same company today. You never know. But on January 9th of 2009, my life took an unexpected turn. So I'd, I graduated from UNB the year before, but I was walking along campus um, the Friday, January the 9th, and a guy hit me with his minivan. And I flipped up over his hood and my head shattered his windshield. So I was in a coma. So I was in a coma for about a week. And then when I woke up out of my coma, I was completely paralyzed on the left side of my body. So nothing on the left side of my body worked. My left eye, the left side of my mouth my left arm, my left leg. Um, one of my most vivid memories is I remember trying to smile 
and the right side of my mouth would smile and the left side of my mouth would just kind of hang there and droop down. Um, so completely paralyzed the left side of my body. Made a made a, a great recovery. You know, I was very lucky. I had an amazing family, amazing friends, great support team of doctors and therapists and, and just amazing people that helped me along the way. Uh, but when it came time for me to go back to work, I said, you know what, this is it. I'm going to sell real estate. I had always thought about it. It was one of those things that was always in the back of my mind. I would go online and I would do like these real estate simulators to test how you would do as a real estate agent. They, like companies will use that as a recruiting tool. You know what I'm talking about? No, I've never seen that. Now, okay. So, well, back then, I don't know if they're still, still around now, but there used to be like a real estate simulator that you could go on and do and it would score you on like what your success should be as a real estate agent. Um, so I'd go on and do those. I'd watch real estate shows. I'd follow the market. So I'd always thought well, it was always something I wanted to do. So I said, that's it. You know, I'm a second chance at a career here. I'm, I'm going to sell real estate. So that was when I decided I was going to start selling real estate. Um, so I had one big obstacle, though. I didn't have a driver's license. What year was this? So this was 2010. So the year after my accident. Um, so wanted to start selling real estate, didn't have a driver's license. That wasn't going to stop me. I went down to the bus station, got a bus, bus pass and right down, wrote my real estate license and passed and put on my suit and I was ready to start selling real estate. So, uh, 2010 was when I started my career and I started selling real estate, riding Metro transit. So literally if I had a buyer that had a list of houses they wanted to see, I would take the bus to the closest bus stop to the first house. I get out, I bring all my flyers, my briefcase, walk to the first house, meet them, introduce myself, show them the house, and then I jump in their car and drive to the next however many houses we were going to see. And then from the last house, I would walk to the closest bus stop, grab a bus and go back to the office or back to my house. I remember, uh, so sat, I did, I did a lot of open houses my first year in the business. Right. So Saturday and Sunday afternoons, I'd be going to do an open house and I'd have like my three open house signs, my box of flyers, my briefcase loading everything up onto the bus to take my bus to the, to take the bus to the closest bus stop, unload all my stuff and walk to the house I was doing the open house at. So it was, uh, it was, it's not your typical first year of the business, but, uh, you know what? I loved it, man. I, man, I love selling real estate. Well, I think you have to have an absolute passion for it. If you're going to do that, there are a lot of people that complain, you know, Oh, I'm tired today <laughs> or whatever yeah. silly nonsense excuses can come up, but you're out there schlepping your stuff on a public bus and, yeah. uh, you know, going for, for showings, people might be embarrassed or held back or whatever. And you just like, forget this. I'm going and I'm doing it. And I, you know, what? I remember, I remember very clearly I had like this, this big kind of picture of what it was going to be like in my mind. And I thought that people were going to like look down on me or kind of frown on the fact that I showed up on the bus, but it always made for a really good story. Cause people, I was like, Oh, you know, is your car broken down? <laughs> is your car in the shop? And I'm like, no, actually I can't drive. Oh, and it would always lead to me kind of sharing my story with them. And then, but you know what? Like I love selling real estate so much and I'm so committed to the success of my clients that I have no problem getting on the bus and meeting you at the house. That's beautiful. So it became a good tool for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the passion really comes across. At that point, they know you're willing to do whatever it takes for them to get it done. Yeah. And to, to, be, to be really successful, like to have that crazy level of success in anything, I think you need to have that passion. But above and beyond that, you know, it, for me – I always had this unwavering belief in things. Like I, I get this, these things in my mind and I get so passionate about it, it becomes ingrained in my DNA. 
And so the best example was walking. So when I was paralyzed, um, it was January 9th, 2009. Like I said, my birthday is Valentine's Day. So about a month after my accident, I was going to have my 25th birthday. And the week leading up to my birthday, honestly, man, like all I could think about was walking. I was going to walk on my birthday. It didn't matter, you know, come any obstacle that came, I was getting out of my wheelchair and I was walking on my birthday. And it became this unwavering belief. Like I dreamt about it. I woke up and I thought about it. I thought about it when I had breakfast. I thought about it when I had lunch. And I walked on my 25th birthday because of it's, it's amazing when you have an unwavering belief in something, when you believe in something so incredibly powerfully and, and just an unwavering belief, you can do anything. And, and I was going to be successful. I wanted to be a top producing agent. I didn't, I didn't want to dabble in real estate. I wanted to deliver exceptional service to my clients. I wanted to, you know, sell all of my listings. I wanted to do the best job I could for everyone I dealt with. And that was, I had an unwavering belief that I was going to do that. So the bus was really just an obstacle. You know, it, it definitely wasn't something that was in my way. It wasn't a, a solid wall. It was just something I had to get over or get around or crawl under or break through. Excellent. That's amazing. So you, you have this unwavering belief in success and, and succeeding in this business and passion. And what exactly was your path then? So you're, you're taking the bus, you're doing whatever needs to get done. You're just getting started in real estate. Take me through your first year a little bit in terms of how your business uh, was going in that first year. So my first year in the business, again, I, I rode the bus for about eight or nine months. And then I got my driver's license back and, and I got a car, which was a huge help. Um, but the best thing that I did was I modeled what I was doing around the top performers in, in my industry and in my, in my brokerage. So I watched what the top three agents, I remember this specifically because I, I watched them every day, but the top three producers in my firm, I watched them like a hawk. I watched them day in and day out. I saw exactly what they did. And I just tried to model what I did around what they did. Um, I decided that I was going to be a top agent. So I started doing the things that I saw them doing. Um, I mean, I, I made a lot of mistakes. I spent a lot of money that I didn't see a great return on, like everyone does in business. But the best thing I did was I modeled the things that I saw the top producers doing around me. I modeled that and I tried to implement that in my daily life. So I'd really like to know, let's dig into that a little bit. How sure. different was what your perception was of what they were doing to the reality of what they were doing? I would say it was significantly different at the start. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things you, you kind of watch what they're doing from a distance. And then as soon as you start conversations and you start talking to them and, you know, you, you buy them a coffee or you take them out for lunch to pick their brains about things, you see that there's a lot more work being done in the background than what you see. So I, I would use the iceberg analogy. Um, I was seeing about 10% of what they were doing and not seeing the 90% of the behind the scenes stuff. So it wasn't until I started taking them out for coffee, taking them out for lunch, asking for their time, because I did, I, I would go to the top agents in the city and I would say, hey, can I buy you a coffee? I'm new in the business. I'd love to pick your brain about things. And a lot of the top producers, a lot of people that are at the peak of, of any industry are the ones that are more likely to share their information, their knowledge, and their wisdom with you. It's one of those amazing things, you know, giving starts the receiving process. I'm a big believer in that. Um, even now I can have any agent call me from any brokerage across the country and ask me a question and I'm going to make time for them. That's excellent. So yeah. in terms of what it is that you were, they were doing 
which you found out kind of later on through conversations and through your own experience. What yeah. is it that those producers were doing that were making them so successful? So back then we were doing like a lot of geographical mail outs, geographical farming. Um, we did a lot of open houses back then, uh, just listed, just sold flyers. One of the best things I took from them was I, they said, you know, even if you don't have any listings, go and borrow listings from other agents in the office and start advertising those on behalf of the listing agent. And that's where you're going to start to generate some, some traction and get some leads and things like that. Um, so it was a lot of that stuff that I started doing up front. I remember being at the office until 10, 11 o'clock at night printing newsletters because I sent out all these newsletters all the time to a, to a geographical area. And of course, I didn't have the resources to hire a company to, to market them and print them for me. So I did all like design, layout, printing, folding all myself. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been there and done the, yeah. the bootstrap bit. I mean, I still do it to some extent today. Yeah. So yeah, I hear that. Okay, great. Now, how much of those systems that you started with are still a part of your business today? That's a, that's a really good question. I would say probably about 50%. We're probably still doing about half the things I did up front. I mean, our industry has evolved a lot since, since those days. I mean, we, we work in an industry that's constantly changing. So I would say that we're, I'm still probably doing about half the things I did back then, but maybe we're delivering it in a different medium or a, a different vehicle for delivery, right? Right, right, exactly. Okay, yeah. we'll dig into that a little bit in a moment. So uh, sure. with through your first year, um, what, what kind of was your general level of production? Was it, did it match what you saw in your mind? Or was it a little I, bit more complicated? Uh, my production exceeded my expectations my first year. So I, I had a better year than I had planned for my first year, um, which was very good. Um, I didn't exactly do the best job in tax planning that first year. <laughs> Not as, many of us do. <laughs> as, a lot of, as a lot of real estate agents do, but uh, no, I had a good first year. But I'll tell you, so it was like very clearly, it was halfway through my second year in the business that I had my first big kind of like, aha, you know, this is what it takes moment. So I was looking back on, on my past transactions and where my deals had originated from. By the way, for any agents that are watching this, it's so important to track where every lead and every deal comes from. Like you have no idea the impact that tracking will have in your business. Um, so I, that was one thing I did from day one. I had a great coach out of the gates um, and he encouraged me to track all my business, track everything I did. So I did. Um, and it was about halfway through that second year that I looked back and I was like, holy cow, you know, like almost everyone that I'm selling real estate for or to is someone that came from my network of people that I know. And I thought to myself that if I was going to take my business to the next level, if I was going to really achieve that next level of success, I was going to have to start targeting the people that I didn't know. And that was the day that I decided to start cold calling. And I fell in love with cold calling. I absolutely loved it. Yes. Not, yes, right, I know. not right away, but, but really quickly. <laughs> No, and you and you've developed systems around it, and and you've spoken about this topic because you've definitely uh, come to to master and completely embrace this. Now, a lot of people, um, I'd say the majority of people, especially these days, are completely turned away from it, either from fear or the idea of you know people talking down about about cold calling. But I'd like to get into that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, what kind of approach did you take, and do you take now, and did that differ at all? Yeah, so I think originally I had a misguided approach to cold calling. 
I read every prospecting book I could find. I watched YouTube videos on it. I listened to podcasts about it. You know, I did all my market research because I'm like, I'm a learning junkie. I'm a knowledge junkie. I wanted to learn all about it. So I did. I started and uh, and had a shaky start. But as I got going, I got better at it, got better at it, got better at it, had a little bit of success. But I think up front, my biggest thing with cold calling is I wanted to get to my thought, my qualifying questions. And now this is interesting. So I've used the same qualifying questions, tweaked a little bit, but the same framework since I started prospecting. Okay. I've tweaked it, I've added to it, I've taken it away, but it's been the same kind of the same qualifying questions that I've used since day one. Um, but I was always the my goal of the conversation was to get to those questions. I wanted to know how long they had lived in the house for, where they had moved from, if they'd always lived in that neighborhood, and if they were if they were to make a move sometime in the future, if, the, if it would be for a bigger house, smaller house, different area. Um, but, like that was my goal. And it wasn't until I kind of threw that aside that I started having real success on the phones. Um, so I remember, geez, it was probably a year or two after I had started prospecting on the phones that one day I was like, you know what? I just want to call people and I just want to make everyone's day better because they get to talk to me on the phone. Like, I just want everyone to hang up the phone with a smile on their face. Now, granted, not everyone's going to. There's going to be people that are like, oh, yeah, call me on a Saturday morning. Don't call me, you darn real estate agent. Like, you're going to get that. You're going to get people that hang up on you. Sure. But I changed my intention. I changed my agenda away from qualifying people on the phone to just making their day better. And I still follow a script. I still try to get to my qualifying questions. But as soon as I started doing that, like, I call everyone. I have a smile on my face. I'm happy. I'm you know, I'm doing it. I, I want to make their day better. Once I started doing that, I started having a lot of success on the phones. So taking that approach, I mean, would you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, kind of how you approach that on the phone? What, what is it that you're doing to help make their day or elevate their day? Yeah, for sure. Nice. Elevate. That's my word for 2019. I love it. That's <laughs> Everything I do this year is all about elevating the people around me, elevating my business, elevating my team, elevating my family. It's good. Elevating good. this podcast, so thank you. Ele elevate, yeah, elevating this podcast. Um, so I guess what the, the first thing is I start every phone call with a smile on my face. And that sounds like, I know that's like super corny and super like salesy, but I put a smile on my face. I don't think that I can get a smile on someone else's face if I'm not smiling. And people can tell, like you can tell the difference between someone that's smiling versus someone that's not smiling when you're talking to them on the phone. Right. Um, I, I try to listen for any opportunity to build rapport and kind of progress the conversation. So things like dogs barking in the background, kids in the background, you know, any little thing that I can that I can latch onto that I can start having a personal conversation with these people on the phones about, I look for. So you're on the phone. How do you how do you start the conversation? What's the opening line? So I always ask by first name. So if I was calling you, I'd be like, hi, is Lauren there, please? People love their first names and it makes it a more personal interaction. Um, I would never call and ask for Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so. I always ask for first names. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. You know, yeah. I, I, when I was, I don't know how old I was, maybe late teens, I worked in this call center uh, yeah, to make some extra money and yeah. calling some random numbers in the states about cell phone plans or something. But I would always use the first name and develop yeah. a very casual uh, conversation. Whereas if you're asking for that Mister or Mister, Mister or Mister, yeah, it could be a Mister or Mister, <laughs> Mister yeah. or Mrs. It, it it sets up this formality, this formal wall, right? 
It does. And from a, from a psychology standpoint, people love, I should say the majority of people love their names. Like the majority of people love to hear their first names. So it just, it creates that more favorable environment, that more personal interaction. Okay. So you're saying, Hey, is, is Mike there? And then, yeah, yeah, this is Mike. So, so then I always, I always say something to break down the barrier. So as soon as I introduce myself, you say, Hey, like Lauren, it's Anthony calling from Royal Page. How are you? You're like, Oh, Royal Page put up this anti sales wall. He's not talking to me. He's not getting anything from me. So then the next thing I do is I say, you know what, Lauren, my team and I do a lot of business in your neighborhood. I was just giving you a quick call. You always say a quick call because it gives that sets that expectation that you're not looking to keep them on the phone for a long time. So you get a little bit more engagement. You get a little more buy-in if you mention that it's just going to be a quick call. And then I always say just checking to see who you might know, Lauren, looking to make a move this year. Maybe friends, family, or people you know in the neighborhood. Can you think of anyone, Lauren? All right. And then I say, uh, not, not right now. Yeah, but the so the most important thing about that is all of a sudden I've brought down your barrier. Right. So that barrier that you put up, yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm not asking about your house. I'm not asking about you. I want to know who you might know that I could help out. So that wall that came up, oh, it's Anthony from Royal Page. I'm putting up my putting on my barrier. He's not talking to me. Right. I just kind of brought that down a little bit, right? Um. So most times they're gonna say no one. Like, you know, I don't know anyone. Sorry about that. And you say, oh, Lauren, no problem. I really appreciate you taking the time to think about that. Now, what about you, Lauren? When do you think you're going to make your next move? Okay, so once that wall's down, then I'm more apt to just say, eh, you know, I don't know, a couple of years maybe. A couple of years, that's fantastic. So people love repeat and affirm. And this, by the way, this works really well in your marriage as well because people love to know that you listen to them and know that you've accepted what they say. So if you said, oh, you know, I'm not gonna move for a couple of years, I'm gonna say, oh, a couple of years, that's fantastic, Lauren. By the way, have you always lived in the neighborhood or did you move here from outside the area? I've been here for about 10 years. About 10 years, that's fantastic. And uh, and was, did you always live here or did you move from outside the area and moved here? Yeah, I came from uh, not too far, but a little, little further south. A little further south, that's fantastic, Lauren. Now, let me ask you one last question. Like you said, you're not planning on moving right now, but if you were to make a move in the future, like you said, a couple years down the road, maybe, uh, is there any neighborhood or any type of house, style of house that you might want to move to, Lauren? Maybe a bigger house, smaller house? Yeah, I can I can imagine a, a larger home. We'd probably run out of room. We've got a bunch of kids. You know? A bunch of kids, Lauren. That's fantastic. How many kids do you have? Three. You have three. That's amazing. Boys or girls? All girls. All girls. So you're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum as me. I have two boys. Mine are mine are five and three. How old are your girls? Uh, seven, six, and two. Seven, six, and two. So you're a busy man. Very. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to call a timeout here for a second. Do you see what I did there? That That's the opening that I'm looking for in every conversation. Because we just had a conversation about our kids, that's, that's the in to make someone's day better. Right. right? You connect with them on that personal level. Exactly. Yeah. And, and once you get that buy and once we create that kind of rapport as like a father to father, it's so much more than just me calling you about real estate. You can do the same thing with dogs. You can do the same thing with if uh, if they live in a city that you went to university in or that your uncle lives in or like there's so many opportunities to take it from that an agent calling a homeowner to 
you know, a, a father to father or a dog owner to dog owner, whatever it is. There's so many opportunities in every conversation to take it to that next level. So let me ask you then sure. in the natural continuation of that, these conversations can last an extended period of time. You generally in a cold calling environment want to hit certain numbers per day because yeah. numbers relates to a certain number of conversion. So yeah. how do you balance that? So I always have a I always have a goal in mind of people that I want to talk to, and I know that I have a target time. So two minutes is ideal for a first conversation with someone that might have a little bit of interest in in buying or selling in a couple of years. Two minutes is an ideal time. But remember, my only agenda, and this is this is where this becomes so powerful. My intention, my my state of being when we're on this call is just to make your day better. So if we get talking about our kids or if we get talking about the fact that you went to the same university as me or that you played soccer and I played soccer, you know, it might go 10 minutes. That's fine. You don't need to hang up after two minutes because the intention, the state of being for the call is just to make your day better. So that that's kind of the, the umbrella concept of everything in, in my calling. Okay. And then what is your out in these conversations? If you get sort of sucked down the rabbit hole of, of you know, personal connection at mm -hmm. some point we have to work and we have to move on and we don't want to take up their whole day. So you say, I don't want to take up your whole day. It was great connecting with you. Like, well, what is it that you say? So I usually, I usually try to make it about me. So instead of saying, listen, Lauren, like I'm sure you have a really busy day because then you're kind of shifting, you're almost shifting the blame to the person you're talking to. <laughs> I might say, I might say, Hey Lauren, listen, I'm really sorry. I have a call coming up that I have to jump on here in the next five minutes do you mind if I give you a call back later on this afternoon or maybe tomorrow afternoon and we can continue the conversation about your property and what we might be able to do for you? Okay, great. Now that's if something was brought up about a property, but if it's not, then... Oh, well, so if it's not, then, it, then it's not as difficult. Um, typically, if someone is not interested in real estate at any point in the future, you kind of, it naturally takes that progression and the conversation really doesn't go any further than two minutes, I, I found. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if it's something that, like I said, you know, maybe in a couple of years we'd be considering it, would you put them in a follow-up if it's a couple of years a off? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned, you mentioned that you had three girls. Yeah. Um, so I might say, and uh, you know, next year, your, your six-year-old might be starting school. So I might give you a call in September and say, hey, Lauren, it's Anthony calling from Royal LePage. I remember the last time we chatted, you mentioned that one of your daughters was starting school this year. How is she finding primary? You know, my, my little guy just started. He loves it. You know, he's doing great. How, how's your daughter making out? Right. No. Nothing, nothing to do with your house. Right. And then I might say, by the way, Lauren, you mentioned that in a couple of years, you, you guys might be looking for a bigger home. Is that still kind of on your radar? Is that something that, that might still be motivating you in the future? Is that still on your radar? I like that line. Yeah. Great. Now, uh, what if, because this can happen too, you've had several months where you're not in contact. They say, sorry, who is this? Yeah. No, <laughs> listen, that's a great question. I know I'm not that memorable on the phones. Uh, it's Anthony. We actually chatted back in January last year, February last year. Uh, I was just calling your neighborhood because my team and I work exclusively a lot in your neighborhood. Okay, fantastic. So you just establish that that reconnect and then get back into it. Yeah, and it's and it's great because you can say like my team and I do a lot of business in your neighborhood. Your team can be your real estate team. It can be your brokerage. It can be you know there's a, there's a the the word team I love because 
it encompasses a lot. Right. Everybody can really use team because yeah, they're in a brokerage, exactly. they're in a team basically. Exactly. Fantastic. That's a great idea. Okay. So uh, you embraced cold carding wholeheartedly. After yeah. two years, you kind of more solidified your, your script and your intention more over yeah. than, than your script. So how has it been going from then? You mentioned tracking. Let's talk about how do you track your progress? So I, I track all my prospecting numbers on a spreadsheet. Um, so I track my goal for the week, the number of times I actually dial a number, the number of people I talk to, the number of good conversations I have, the number of leads I generate, and the number of appointments that I go on. Okay. And what kind of numbers are you trying to hit? Or, or are there standard numbers either industry-wide or that you found for yourself um, that you'd like to try to go by? Like if I yeah, make so this many calls, it'll generally come equate to this and this and this. So we work, and this is kind of my team, um, we work on the 250 rule. So basically for every 250 conversations you have about real estate, you'll sell one house. Okay. So that can be cold calling, that can be open houses, that can be talking to your friends and family. Basically it takes 250 unique conversations about real estate to sell a house. And that's a number that I've come up with from tracking my agents and, and my team and my numbers for the last number of years. And that can be a conversation as simple as running into somebody in the market that, or in the, um, in the market, <laughs> in the grocery store that uh, you might know. I'm like, hey, what's going on with the market? Exactly. Or I mean, if you if you go into like a, a bank branch and you do a presentation for all the financial advisors and you talk to you talk to ten financial advisors about real estate, there's ten conversations. Okay. All right. Great. And is there a general rule for timeline on that that t typically works out, or is it just at some point? And I've always only ever tracked it for the year. So within 12 months, right? Okay. If you're, if you're talking, if you're having those 250 unique conversations by the end of the 12 months, it'll work itself out. So if somebody wants to do, they just have to work backwards. If they want to do, let's say 50 transactions a year, purely from uh, this, the type of uh, ratio, then they just have to go work backwards 50 times 250, have that many conversations over the year and then break it down to a daily Kind of yeah, so so we always do it, and then we break, we divide by fifty-two weeks of the year, and then we we all of my agents on my team know exactly how many people they have to talk to every week about real estate to hit their goal. Okay. Great. And then it comes, and then it becomes just an accountability thing. Like, are you doing it? And uh, at that point, I I would suspect that it's a little bit different per individual. The numbers will change a little bit up or down. Yeah. Per individual. Yeah, and I mean it depends on on who you're targeting to. For example, if you're only talking to, you know, your your close friends and family, that's going to differ versus if you're primarily talking to people that you're cold calling or the phone book, or if you're primarily calling leads that register or inquire about properties on your website, you're probably going to have a higher conversion than if you're cold calling out of the phone book, right? So so we've moved a lot of our cold calling that I did out of the phone book now onto our online lead platform. So we've kind of taken the premise of cold calling and, and making everyone's day better and rolled that into our online leads versus names and numbers of the phone book. Although I still prospect of the phone book from time to time. Are you using any kind of phone system? I don't. I've tried Mojo before. Um, I've tried, I tried Mojo. I've tried the dialer program that's on our, on our uh, online lead gen site. I just love dialing the numbers. You know, I, I've had so much success cold calling um, and so much success prospecting on the phones. And I just, I'm passionate about it. I love it. So I just, I just, there's something satisfying about dialing the numbers. 
<laughs> you like the tactile feel? I, I just like I just like dialing the numbers. You got to get that rotary phone and just go. With a little light on the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they used to have in uh, Commissioner Gordon's office in that old yeah. Batman show. Batman. <laughs> but it, so it's interesting. So I'll go back to one thing I said there in the script. So the the biggest thing that you want to get to. So notice how you were kind of like you were a little bit passive when you said you might, you know, you might move in a couple of years. You've been there for about 10 years. You were, you were moved from just down a little bit, down south a little bit. But then when I asked you, OK, Lauren, if you were to make a move, I know you're not moving right now. But if you were to make a move, like you said, a couple of years down the road, would it be for a bigger house, a smaller house, a different style? That's where you get people. You'll have people the whole way through. Nope, not moving, never going to move, been here my whole life. You know, my mother lived down the street. I bought this house, never leaving. And then you, you hit them with that. You say, well, okay, I appreciate that. And I know that you love your neighborhood. But if you were to make a move, not right now, but sometime in the future, you know, what would be the motivation for that? Would it be a bigger house, a smaller house, a different style, different neighborhood? That's where you get people. That's the that's the money question. That opens up kind of dreamland and fantasy land. And, and... Yeah, because you're, you're almost implanting that suggestive idea in their heads interesting right, so that that works with um the online lead as well as the cold call yeah so the online lead script is a little bit different um so we always start out our online script so instead of who do you know looking to make a move we say we notice you registered on our website we like to do a quick courtesy call to make sure that the website is working well for you do you have any questions about the website or about the market or properties that you see so again, we're bringing down that barrier because we're not calling to sell them something. We're calling them as a courtesy to make sure the website's working well. Right, and I actually use the exact same opener. Yeah. We connected with that earlier, so that's great. Yeah. Now, what is your goal when you connect with these people and there is a connection for, for real estate? Is your goal to set an appointment to have them come in for some sort of buyer consultation or are you trying to get them to see some properties? What is your ultimate goal there? So the ultimate goal of, of that first conversation is three letters, N-G-T, okay? So needs, goals, time frame. That's all we're worried about. We don't, we're not super concerned about booking an appointment with that first conversation. Um, we don't want to get to know everything about them. We don't want, you know, we might not even know exactly where they live, what the address of their house is now. But if we can figure out what their needs are, what their goals are, and what their time frame is, that's a win on the first conversation. So for you, I found out that your needs down the road might be for a bigger house, um, your goal is to get more space for your growing family, and your time frame is still a couple years down the road. So that first conversation with you was would have been a success in my mind. And what kind of follow-up are you doing? Do you have a, an email, phone, texting sort of combination drip system, or, or how are you approaching that? Yeah, so we have a few different systems that we use. Um, I would say that the best, hands down, the best thing that you can do is send them properties, right? So once I figure out a little bit more about what you're looking for, so you want a bigger house in that same neighborhood, I, I might call you back and say, hey, Lauren, we chatted a couple of weeks ago. I know you're not seriously thinking about a move now, but a lot of our clients find it beneficial just to receive new listings and new sales in the neighborhood so that you can track the price of homes in your area, both so you know what your house might be worth in the current market, but also so that you can see the price point and how the price point might fluctuate of that bigger home that you're looking for in a couple of years. Lauren, would it be beneficial to you if I set you up on a program to receive new listings and new sales in your neighborhood? Would you like that? Yeah, sure. 
Okay, so I just got your permission to stay in touch with you. I'm sending you something that you're interested in. I'm not sending you, and no, there's nothing wrong with this, but I'm not sending you a fridge calendar. I'm not sending you a recipe card. I'm not putting you on a drip campaign with all these different emails about prepping your home for sale and all this stuff. I'm sending you properties every morning in the area that you're looking in. I honestly think that's the most valuable thing. The most valuable way to communicate people is, is to send them listings every day. And then, so you're sending them listings uh, to their inbox and, yeah. and it's there as often as listings come up. Yeah. Are you then following up at all depending on their activity? Because you can see if they're actively looking at these listings or not. Or are you just setting them up on like a quarterly, yearly time frame follow-up or, or not at all and waiting for them to contact you at that point? Yeah, so I mean, the, the cool thing about our program, um, the system that we use, is I get to track everything you look at, how many minutes you spend on our site, how many emails you open, how many emails you click on. Um, I get to look at you know how many properties you look at, how many times you looked at pictures. And then we have some automatic systems in place. So for example, if I send you a listing that you look at and you look at it more than three times in a five-day span, you're going to get a text from me that says, hey, Lauren, I noticed that you were looking at this house, this address. Do you have any questions about a question mark, Anthony? That's a, that's a behavioral, it's called behavioral triggering. So that text is triggered by a behavior of yours on our site. Um, so that's, that's automated all, right there. That's automated, yeah. So that stuff's all great. You can't rely on it solely, though. Um, all of my agents have a lead binder. So it's a, it's a three-ring binder that sits on their desk. It's got dividers in it for every month of the year, and it's got dividers in it for every day of the month. So if I talk to you today and I say, okay, I'm going to follow up with Lauren um, you know, in July, I'll take your lead sheet because I'm a firm believer in having leads actually on paper on your desk. Um, CRMs are great. Online lead databases are great. I think you also need to have a hard copy paper on your desk. So I'm going to take your lead sheet and I'm going to put it into July 7th. So when I open up my binder to July 7th, all the leads that I have to call are right there. What, what is about that, that tactile feel about the page or, or something right in front of you rather than a, a digital ping? I mean, I, I feel very much the same way. And I don't know. I thought it was just me. I thought I was weird. No, for me, it's the fact that it's staring me right in the face. It's on my desk. It's, it's right there. It's bright orange. You can't miss it. You know, every morning I come in and it's the, it's the first thing I notice on my desk because it, it's, like I said, it's bright orange, it's right there, and it's got all my leads. For me, it feels like, I don't know, it's almost, not that it's not real, but it, it makes it more real and substantial. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's in the background in a computer, um, even if I get a little reminder of it every now and then, I might miss it because I'm so busy yeah. that day. Uh, so if it's, yeah, if it's physically there, I, I can see the benefit to that. Yeah, and I'll tell you another great thing, like for me, I love taking notes. So I love tracking notes from every conversation with everyone I have. So when, when we're chatting back and forth, you tell me that you have three girls, I'm going to write down that you have three girls, I'm going to write down how old they are, they write down their ages. I find it easier, and maybe this is just me, I'm not your typical millennial, but I just find it easier to write those notes down with a pen and a paper. Rather than typing them. Rather than typing. And it's just, it makes, for me, it makes it more accessible. I have some leads, for example, that I've been talking to for a couple years and I talk to them every couple months, but I've been talking to them since, you know, say 2016 and I'll have three or four pages of notes stapled together on their lead sheet. But every time I call you, I can go back and I can flip through the notes. I can see that, 
you know, you told me a couple months ago that you were working on your basement and I had referred my tile guy to you to, to do some tiling in your basement. I might call you and say, hey, Lauren, you know, I know a couple months ago we were chatting and I passed on Greg's name to you to, to do some tiling in your basement. How did that work out for you? I always have a reason to call people. That's great. That's a great way to keep track. Now, the rub that I have is that my handwriting is so atrocious. There's a chance that months down the road, I won't be able to read it. So once I write it down, and I do tend to write things down, I'll definitely type them up. <laughs> well, so you're like me. I have I have very messy handwriting. But you know there's an actual direct correlation between how messy you write and how smart you are, right? It's, I, it's, I, I'll it's take that. Sure. <laughs> it's proven. Look at every doctor, every surgeon. They all have the messiest handwriting. It's proven, man. That's very true. Very true. All right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that if I had neat handwriting. No, you'd say the neater the writing, the more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. So um, we've talked about lead generation. We've talked about uh, your online platform now and that you're sort of slowly shifting the majority of it there anyway. Um, yeah. What, what sort of systems have you used? You mentioned Mojo Dialer. What didn't you like about Mojo Dialer? Was there like a pause when before people answered or what was it that wasn't right for you? It kind of took the the personalized aspect of cold calling it as contradictive as that sounds. <laughs> it, it took, like I guess I guess I approach it differently. When I'm calling people, I'm not just like purely there to do a sales pitch. I want to have a chat with them. I want to make their day better. And and Mojo kind of took that. And sorry if anyone from Mojo ever hears this. It's nothing against Mojo, but any of those kind of speed dialing programs took that personalized bit away from it. It seems like uh, just a number at that point. Yeah, and, the, and just like, cause it dials a bunch of numbers at the same time and whoever picks up, it hangs up on all the other numbers. And then you talk to that person and then it does the same thing again and again and again. Okay. And it just, it kind of took my, my intention, my state of being when I'm making the calls, it took me away from that a little bit. Gotcha, and that's important. Uh, you're definitely a very, um, passionate person and you want you want that connection so yeah. you have that connection it's not there now how did it work in terms of just black and white numbers where you are you hitting the same numbers in terms of the people that you're speaking to or in the same you know you, you make more contacts on a dialing program okay uh, so in that respect unequivocally okay okay but ultimately in terms of um conversion you feel because you were in that mindset and making that connection do you think ultimately you converted about the same our, our conversion was a lot higher dialing the numbers than it was using the speed dialer. Okay, so in the end, whatever it worked reason, out. Yeah, for whatever reason, we, we generated more actual leads dialing the number than we did using the speed dialer. Okay, excellent, excellent. And have you been using your uh, online system for a length, any length of time? Uh, we've been using it for two and a half years. One of them, one of them we're kind of brand new with, and one of them we've been using for eight months. Okay, so you're yeah. using multiple systems, and that's yeah. just for the reason that you want to try things out and see what works best for you, or you feel that they hit different targets. Uh, they they, have, they hit different target markets. So we have one uh, platform that we use that's really good for Google AdWords. Um, so we're fully invested with that for Google AdWords. We have another platform that's amazing that we use for social media advertising and then we have one that's purely uh purely generating listing leads oh, okay and so most of the leads online are buyer leads uh these listing leads is that through social media or some yeah so the listing leads comes from social media yeah that's a company called prime seller leads i think i've heard of them 
Yeah, they're they're quite good. They're they're basically like a landing page platform um, that generates leads and traffic to your landing page, and and it's basically people that would like a a market evaluation on their house. Okay, and that's the newest <laughs> one that you're bringing on to sort of see how that's working out. I uh, know. So we've been using that one for a while. Okay. Just, just sell homes. Um, is the social media one that we're using. Right, Andrew uh, Foliato's company. Yeah, yeah, so Andrew's a good buddy of mine. Um, they're phenomenal. Like, we're generating a pile of good quality leads. And again, I don't get paid to promote any companies or anything like that. Um, I just tell you what works for me, but they've been amazing. And I'd say the one thing that I didn't, that I didn't forecast with that is the value it came with when listing properties. So if you're, if you're in a listing presentation, you're in competition, you say, listen, we have this third-party vendor that is phenomenal at social media advertising. Your listing is going to be plastered on Instagram and Facebook. That's something that people like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of one competitive advantage that we got from that platform that I, that I hadn't planned on. Excellent. And yeah. in terms of measuring an ROI on all of these different systems, it, it can get a little bit muddy when you've got several things working out there. Yeah. But you're big on tracking, I know. So... Um, are you finding it difficult or, or easy to track uh, the results from all these different systems? Uh, it's definitely easier on some of our platforms. So, so some of our platforms track everything from how many agents are logged in on a day-to-day basis, how many calls they make, how many people they talk to, and that's all tracked on the, the platform itself. Um, at other other uh, platforms are a little bit muddier, but I think in my coaching appointments with my agents and, and my operations manager, um, we're big on making sure that they're tracking how many people they're talking to and how many leads they're generating and, and things like that. So I like to put that accountability on the agents to, to bring those numbers to me. Um, but on some of our platforms, it's really easy to track. Okay. Uh, I want to touch on one more thing that just popped in my sure. mind with regard to uh, cold calling or calling in general. How important are scripts or practicing scripts? In, in your world? The, the most important thing. So how would you go about, how would one go about doing that from you know day one, what would be a good approach? So I would, if it was me and I, and I was gonna start again with it, I, I know that that's gonna be your question about what I do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but if I was gonna start cold calling again, I would have taken three or four real estate coaches that I really like. I would have taken their, I don't think any one person has the right script for every person. There's no one script that's going to work perfectly for you, perfectly for me, and perfectly for everyone else. So take those those four real estate trainers or real estate training companies, take their scripts, dissect them, break them down, and put them back together in your own script that works for you, and then memorize it, like internalize it, memorize it, make it a part of your brain. And I would just do that by sitting in front of the mirror, and I would do it every morning 10 times for a week. And then I would call my mom, my dad, my sister, my cousin, my aunt, my uncle, my best friend. I would call a couple agents in my office. I would call real estate agents across the country that I knew, and I would run my script on them. And then I would start calling people. Every day? <laughs> I, I would call. I would probably run my script with at least one person every day. Just to sort of warm up and get that going. Yeah, whether it's like, like I said, someone in your family or someone you know, whoever, you, you got to practice it. I messed up so many times on real live people that I didn't know over the phone book before I perfected my script. Right. I would have I perfected it. It would have been on point, delivered perfectly every time before I picked up the phone and dialed. All right, excellent. So there is an importance. And, you know, 
I've heard it said, obviously, it's somebody else's words. It's not going to feel natural at first. But if it's something that's proven to work, why not give it a shot? And like you said, you can dissect two or three or four of the, the sort of best scripts out there and make it more comfortable for yourself. But you have to... I, I, like like any profession has a script. Actors have a script that they follow. Yeah. Musicians have a script that they're they're playing. Yeah. So why would we be any different? Oh, scripts, man. Scripts are so important. I honestly think that scripts are the one thing that we really need to have just because of the professionalism. It keeps you on track. It, it's moving you towards the end goal, right? And for me, the end goal is, you know, if you were to make a move, is there a neighborhood or any type of house you might want to move to, bigger house, smaller house, maybe different area perhaps. I, at any point, I could be talking to anyone anywhere in the world that spoke English, obviously, and I could, and I could steer the conversation to my script and get to that question. I, I have a feeling that if somebody woke you up in the middle of the night, you'd be able to rattle it off. <laughs> yeah, I could. And that's a really cool thing too. Like for any, for any real estate agents that are watching this, I've been doing this for years. I've had unbelievable success with, with telephone prospecting. Call me. Run your script on me. Call me anytime. See, this is the great thing that I want everybody out there listening or watching to really realize. The best in the business are always very welcoming and willing to share. 100%. You'll always run into the odd duck that's uh, a bit of an ego-driven maniac. <laughs> but we all know those. But for the most part, you and I, we, we've we've networked quite a bit across uh, yeah. North America. And i got to say, for the majority of people that are truly successful, they're a relatively open book. Yeah. And, and you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why I had success in real estate is I wanted to learn from the best. And I said, man, like, listen, you're doing a great job with your business. I want to model my business after what you're doing. Can I buy you a coffee and we can chat for 15 minutes on Wednesday? Or for people in my office, hey, can I poke my head into your office from time to time to ask you a question or see what you're doing? Right? It's, it's, it's so important. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. So to that famous question that I always leave with, uh, <laughs> if you were to start all over again, at, yeah. you know, another point in uh, North America or you had a niece or nephew that was starting, what advice would you give or how would you do things uh, to start from day one and really hit the ground running? So back to day one. So I'm going to go back even before I like, so day one that I start my real estate course. Okay. So if I was going to start in real estate, you register for the course. At that day, I would make a list, handwrite a list of everyone that I knew in that city, and I would write down the best way to contact them. I would send them an email. I would send them a letter. I would give them a phone call, send them a text, say, hey, by the way, I'm registered to take the real estate course. If I, once I'm licensed, would it be all right if I had a quick chat with you about what I could do for you in your real estate needs in the future? So permission-based marketing is unbelievable. If you get people's buy-in, to let you communicate with them in the future about real estate, it makes it so much more effective. So I would be looking for that buy-in before I even took the course. And, and, and what would you say to people? Because I know right away there's something, there's flags going up in people's heads saying, I'm not comfortable with that. I would feel very awkward doing that. What would you say to people that have that little voice in their head? I would say that in the face of a little bit of adversity or a little bit of challenge or a little bit of awkwardness, comes your time for your biggest personal growth. So those times when you're kind of outside your comfort zone a little bit, that's when you can make your best growth in this world. You know, for me, it was being paralyzed. When I was paralyzed, like through that recovery, 
I had the most unbelievable amount of personal growth I could have ever imagined. I learned more about life and what it means to live your best life than most people learn in a lifetime in, in those years of recovery. And it's really during those times of adversity, those, those times of being pushed outside your comfort zone that you're going to make your biggest growth. So I just say, just do it. Just, just do it. Yeah. Just do it and see the amazing things that happen. All right. Uh, so you're, let's go back to your, uh, your plan of action here. Yeah. You're making a list of people getting permission to get in contact with them from day one of taking the course. Yeah. So in the course, all through the course, I'd be reaching out to everyone that I knew, everyone that my mom knew, my brother knew, my sister knew, everyone that anyone that I know that I had contact with in that, because you said it was a different city, right? A different yeah, spot. Completely yeah. different. So I'd be finding out who my network is in that area. Anyone that I met that I created a good connection with, I'd be saying, listen, I'm going to be a real estate agent here in a couple of months. Would it be all right if I reached out to you once I have my license to see if I can help you out with things in the future? You know, you're not saying I want to list your house as soon as I'm licensed. You're saying, can I communicate with you? May I communicate with you in the future about real estate? And the biggest objection you're going to get to that is, well, you know, we don't really want to deal with a brand new agent or, you know, that's great, but you're really not going to have the experience. The, the, the first thing I would say to that, even if I didn't have a brokerage in mind that I was going to go to, I would say, listen, I completely understand where you're coming from. That's a great question. I'm going to be working with the best team in Edmonton or in Calgary, you know, the team that I'm going to surround myself with is going to be well versed in the market knowledge specific to your neighborhood. I promise you that I will have the resources to do the best job for you possible. And that's, that should be every new agent's objection handler to that objection every time is listen, I've surrounded myself with all these people that know so much about this business. I'm going to lean on them to make sure I give you the best support possible. Fantastic. And you know, even though that uh, that person then may not have the direct experience, they have the resources to get that. But they're then in charge of making sure that you are taken care of as a, on a personal level because you're the one with the personal connection to that. that exactly. And then the really cool thing about that is that's the best way for that new agent to learn is by actually getting their hands dirty in the business and going to people with the questions. All right. Fantastic. And then from that point on, would you suggest maybe trying uh, cold calling or, or yeah. what kind of approach so, would you take? So there's two things I would do if I was, if, so once I'm licensed, or I guess I'm going to say three things. So once I'm licensed, um, I'm starting to trade in real estate. I would go back to that entire database of people. I'd be sending them business cards. I'd be sending them cards, letters, taking them out for coffee, whatever I could do to get my name kind of in top of mind for them with real estate. I would go on social media and I would create a couple of Facebook pages for communities that I want to work in. And I would start to pub like publicize different community events, things about the neighborhood, um, post like a good electrician or a good plumber, like these things that kind of build that assumption that you're an expert in that neighborhood. Um, and then on that same platform, I would be posting occasional ads in these pages that say, hey, you know, 60% of homes listed in East South Calgary sold in October. Sell your East South Calgary home in October, in November. Call today to find out what your home's worth. And I'd be posting those ads in those groups. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be going through the phone book or Canada 411 or 411.ca. And I'd be pulling up a reverse address search for all the streets in those same neighborhoods. And I'd be calling people every day. 
And we're using the script that we basically you, went over. Using, using the, the cold calling script, yeah. Fantastic. The beautiful thing about that is you're touching, you're going to be touching those same people a whole bunch of times, right? So they're going to see your ad on Facebook. They're going to see you post something in the Facebook group, and then they're going to get a call from you. So by the time you call them, they've already seen you a couple times or they've talked to you on the phone and they see your ad. One of the biggest mistakes I made when I started in the industry is I would send my flyers out to one neighborhood. I would call this neighborhood and I would do just listed, just sold postcards to this neighborhood. I was trying to get, I was trying to, get to everyone. Right. right. I have radio ads that went to everyone in the city. Um, I think it's, you really want to focus on who your ideal client is. So I want to list and sell houses between 350 and 450 in East South Calgary. That's a terrible neighborhood name, by the way. <laughs> you just offended everybody in East South Calgary. I know. Like, where, where, did I up, where did I come up with East South Calgary? That's the best I could do. I buy it. So I would, I would focus more on more of my resources on the same neighborhoods, the same areas. Right. It makes sense because then you're hitting them in all those different ways. Yeah. And, uh, getting that exposure. The other thing that I'd like to add to that is I've done something very similar. So when I started, you have mega agents that are already established and they're sending out their flyers and postcards and they've got the bus things to everybody in town. Pick a small community, pick a small neighborhood with a turnover rate that makes sense for you. Again, like you said, the type of home that you want to deal with and then focus on that. And you can give that same exposure or more to just that little niche uh, yeah. amount of people. Yeah, and bring and bring community value to that community. You know, sponsor like their their spring fling or their their neighborhood skate party at the rink, right? Be where the people in that neighborhood are going to be. I like it. I like it. Any parting words of advice or wisdom or uh, warnings? <laughs> Let's see. Well, I think so. I guess one thing I'll say is that you want your business to be balanced. And I always look at it, even today, so about 50% of our closed transactions comes from people that we know, and 50% of our closed transactions comes from people that we don't know. But as we generate closed transactions from that group of people that we don't know, they then go into the group of people that we know. So they're now in our database. So our database is continually growing. So our other 50%, the people that we don't know, needs to continually expand and continually grow. Um, I hear a lot of agents and there's nothing wrong with this, but I hear a lot of agents that pride themselves in, you know, 90% of my closings in 2018 came from referrals or came from people that I know. Repeat and referral that, business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great for some people, but how are you growing your database? How are you growing your business? If it's not somewhere in the range of a 50, 50 split, I think, I think you need as much as you're focusing on your database and the people that you know, you need to be focusing on that other group of people as well. And growing both. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Anthony, if people want to get a hold of you, send you referrals, remind everybody where you are, where's your marketplace, and how to best get a hold of you. Sure. So we work out of Hel the Halifax Dartmouth area in Nova Scotia. We cover all Halifax Dartmouth surrounding areas. Um, ask Anthony on social media, askanthony.ca, or you can always call, text me at 902-240-4222. And I'm serious, if you guys ever want to practice a script, if you ever want to pick my brain about starting a team, anything that I can do to help you in your business at all, please just ask. And I remember that you had a presentation with a tracking sheet. Do you still have that available? I do still have that available. So if anyone wants my scripts, I have my scripts available. 
Um, I have my prospecting tracking script. I can send you my various presentations that I've done if you want the slide reel. I mean, honestly, anything that I can do to help people in their business at all, just reach out to me. Yeah, and email me as well at anthony at askanthony.ca. Fantastic. Anthony, thank you again for taking the time and for sharing yeah. all this wonderful stuff. My pleasure, pal. Take care. All right. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I truly appreciate you for your support and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share this all over social media, and especially share it with a realtor that you know that might be having a difficult time finding their own path to success. I'll see you on the next episode.